If you're a climber, you're basically a superhero. I mean, you're walking up walls. Your fingers can hoist your body up on tiny edges. You're getting upside down. You're swinging through the sky. And what do superheroes need most of all? Capes? No. A cool car? No. An exceptionally long and drawn out storyline in which their likeness and brand is repurposed over and over again for the monetary gain of large corporations? Well, okay, also no. What they really need is a theme song. But your theme song has to fit you, right? It has to make sense. So to help you find your theme song and learn a little bit about the way you personally train for climbing, I made you a quiz. So if you're ready to find your theme song, head on over to the show notes and take the quiz right now. On today's episode, we are answering our listeners' questions. We wanted to talk through this on part one of our plant-based athlete episode, but y'all asked some really good questions and we thought they deserved more time to talk through some answers. So with that, we'll dive in. You're listening to The Average Climber Podcast. Caitlin, are you ready for me to ask you a hard question? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> oh, my God. I just I was like, I'm going to craft today's fun fact in joke format except it's not a joke but that's what i'm doing so here we go oh boy what is 41 light years away and potentially worth a shit ton of money uh Uh, take a guess at what what i might be talking about 41 light years pretty far i mean resources i don't know i would say that you're sort of right yes Alternative no. answer was something to do with Buzz Lightyear since that movie either just came out or is coming out. So clearly I'm – it's Sunday, y'all. I did this it not. the day we're recording. Yeah, we had to make so. it work. Caitlin's going on vacation to New Hampshire mm-hmm. to see her parents. So we we had to get it together. Okay, all right. Without further tell me. ado, I will tell you. <laughs> this, is the, I, this is my favorite space fun fact. So there is this planet called 55 Cancri E, also what? known as – Jansen, because we give our <laughs> planets weird girl names. I don't know. But anyways, they hypothesize that the, so this planet is largely a carbon planet. And they oh. hypothesize that because of the temperatures and pressures on this planet, that the interior is like made out of diamonds. It's just like a graphite diamond planet. There is some debate in my brief internet search on this topic but i thought that was the most fascinating shit just like imagine take earth turn the magma into diamond mines pretty fun to think about it's like some fairy tale shit sounds so sustainable but also a girl's (laughs) best friend isn't a diamond it's jansen so it's jansen jansen full of diamonds full of diamonds men are from venus women are from 41 like jansen all right. Well, that was enough of that. Space facts, everyone. I was like, oh we got to get into space. There's all these cool telescope things running around. 
Anyways, that's not what this podcast that. is about. I was like, we got we haven't done space yet. It's time to expand, broaden our horizons. Time to later. get out of this world. Yes. But- uh, hey, all right. <laughs> hey. Okay. With <laughs> that, <laughs> with that, you're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm a climbing coach and certified personal trainer, and I'm here with my lovely co-host on this fine Sunday, Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Caitlin. I am a certified nutrition specialist, and I work with athletes on their nutrition. Yes, I why I went accent wise. I don't but know. We're it's tight. a fun Sunday. Yep, Sunday, it's a fun Sunday. Yep, I am super sore. I climbed way too much yesterday, and then I just like started our whole recording session with me bitching to Caitlin. I'm like, I ate a lot of food. Why am I so sore? And Caitlin was like, Because you're sleep deprived. And I was like, Well, you're right. Shut up. Or but anyways, it's. <laughs> Or oh, it's Covoldemort. We don't know yet. Covoldemort side so. effect. That's fun. <laughs> Every, everything's great. Well, in any case, I'm very excited because today we are continuing our discussion on plant-based athletes. We were originally going to make plant-based athletes a one a one-episode one shebang, but that is there's too much to talk about. You all inserted way too many questions to us, and we were like, <laughs> "How dare shit. you? <laughs> How dare? How dare?" No, it's great. You all asked so many good questions, and we decided that we just needed to cover it in a full Q and A episode. So, without further ado, um, there's kind of we're kind of breaking it up into like three categories of questions. Yep. So today we're going to be talking about just general basic practical questions you all asked about a plant-based diet we're talking a lot about protein because it's big concern and then we're also going to talk a lot about soy because boy oh boy y'all got questions about (laughs) soy oh that was pretty good look at me is that a couplet i don't know i'm not an english major okay let's let's dive in should i can i kick it off with our first question caitlin anything you want to say before we get into it no let's freaking let's rip it let's rip Rip it it. i feel like if you didn't already listen to part one that's your prerequisite for this class so go back yes and also Uh, listen to the previous (laughs) snack break too yes um, because that's important and you need to you need to listen to that yeah important yeah so yeah part one is your prerequisite class Snack break was your homework, so and we, got we are <laughs> really big on this podcast about telling you what's important and not important. Our fun facts about irrelevant shit not important, but enjoyable. <laughs> the last two episodes actually important. We're transparent about the hierarchies of importance <laughs> on this podcast, so listen to the things. Okay, now, 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 let us do it. Let's do it big. Let's start with our first question <laughs> from Matt. So Matt asks, how can you simplify a plant-based diet while maintaining diversity and vital nutrients? Mm. Whoa. I don't know. That's a good question. What what do you do? I don't fucking know. That's why you're here. (laughs) Well, I I think this is a really good question to kick us off in this discussion because Lauren's got the giggles. Um, I'm like, like, if someone asked me that, I'd be like, uh... Collard greens and kale. I don't know that. Ask someone else. So, Caitlin, I'm excited to hear your answer. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's back up. So, I really do think it's important to have a solid foundation of your basics first. So, you know, we have our whole grains, we have our fruits, we got our veggies, our beans, our nuts and seeds. And I think once you have this foundation, it's important and helpful to have a few options in each of those categories. So, For example, if you only eat brown rice, maybe throw some white rice in there. Maybe throw some quinoa. (laughs) 
or some noodles or, Mm. you know, insert whole grain here or just grains in general. There's a lot about whole grains being super important. I won't get into that detail, but, you know, it, it is helpful to get a variety of grains because each one has its own, you know, nutrient composition and diversifying is where you can get a lot of other nutrients too. And certainly the same can be said for fruits and veggies. I usually suggest eating the rainbow because Mm. when you get different colors, each, every single colorful fruit and vegetable has its own health benefits, its own antioxidants, its own micronutrient content. So it is super important to get a variety of a few in each category, switch it up. And that kind of brings me to a new point too, is trying new foods when possible and maybe trying, for example, like one new food each week to start. So for example, if you're like, well, okay, do I have to eat purple cauliflower, purple carrots? Uh, let's say I celery, of, celery. Broccoli, I'm like, I can't think of any other color besides be purple. <laughs> veggie tails. Oh my God. I've been trying not to sing that for about 30 seconds and I was like, where can I insert this vegetable list in I'm song I'm literally form? watching Lauren like sitting there with her lips pursed, like giggling to herself, trying I'm not like, to like, what the fuck is she doing over there? <laughs> that was me trying not to sing the VeggieTales theme song. Y'all know it. You know what well, I'm talking about. Bob the so, fucking cucumber. Or was he the tomato? Oh God. To- I don't know. I'm- oh. Anyway. Oh, Josh tomato. Josh tomato. confirms. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Christian upbringing <laughs> team. Let's do it. Okay. Well, <laughs> so trying one new food each week. If you normally have broccoli or carrots, maybe have celery or tomatoes another week. So it's just diversifying where possible. And I do think meal planning fits into this discussion too. This can be a huge asset for people who don't normally get some diversity. It might might be helpful to then, you know, look at different recipes or get some recommendations from friends, try new foods, uh, maybe even just once a week could be a good starting point. You know, it doesn't have to be all day, every day. And also maybe if, you know, if you don't already, a community supported agriculture box or a CSA mm-hmm. is a really good way to introduce people to new things and they can learn how to use them too. So anyhow, Sweet. Lauren, Wait, thoughts? Caitlin, I have a question <laughs> for you. Have you ever like in your adult life found out about a new fruit or vegetable that you'd never heard of? Uh, I mean, I feel like I'm always learning about something new. Like there's okay. that one one vegetable that tastes like a uh it tastes like a cauliflower mixed with broccoli but it has that like fibonacci spiral sequence oh, in it what are the those hell is called? That called oh my gosh it's like a type of like mathematical thing to oh jesus all okay, right okay i just want you to know by searching fibonacci veggie i found it it's called romanesco broccoli there we so. go There you go, everybody. It's really beautiful. Kind of seems to me, it looks kind of (laughs) strange. It's like a spike Uh, broccoli. Spike broccoli with Fibonacci fractals. So, oh, fractals. That's what it was. Wait, okay. I remember my first day as a grown ass adult finding out about a new vegetable, and I thought it was very exciting. I had ordered some, it was like a CSA box, like what you're talking about. And there was a fruit and my, there was a vegetable in it. And 
Mike and I had no idea what it was. And we were like smelling it and like breaking it apart. And I, I felt like, I felt like a cave person finding out about strawberries for the first time. I was like, whoa, a new thing. But it was crazy. And then we, I basically had to Google like ginger looking root, ugly vegetable potato thing. Like my search terms were something along the lines of that. And it was a sunchoke or Jerusalem artichoke, oh, which was very cool. tasty. But yeah. I feel like there's no no greater joy than being a grown-ass adult finding out a new vegetable exists. It's like being six totally. again, where you're like, this is this new shit's coming up all the time on the veggie plate. But when you're old and you're just used to broccoli and celery and stuff, things get, you know, sad. So I don't know. Go find new vegetables if you can. Yeah. It's kind of Try a them fun out. Yeah, thing. it's like a sometimes they're not challenge. good. But like, also, there's a lot of wild ass tropical fruits that seem fun, and I'm like, what the fuck is this murdered fruit that has a lot of spikes on it, and it's very colorful, yeah. but it's fun. But so. try new things. Try it, new things. It It'll make yeah, you feel it, like a kid again, and it might not taste good, but that's <laughs> also like being a kid again. Might Healing. be excited. We'll see. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Cool. I didn't know if I was the only one that had had the like new vegetable experience because it was it was the day I remember where I was like, my whole world's changed. There's like a new vegetable. That You're I like, oh, my about. God, new categories. Well, from the Midwest and well, you, Lauren, from the Midwest, I'm from New England. And I feel like we grew up with very specific vegetables and fruits yeah so. is a lobster roll a vegetable you <laughs> fancy northeasterner i don't know uh, how that works but there's yeah. corns of ve- corns vegetable corns the ohio vegetable at least corn and <laughs> potatoes maybe Precisely. some carrots if you're feeling spicy so good old exactly. white people diets uh, <laughs> real boring big big facts sweet <laughs> well shall we i think that hopefully matt that wraps up your question about how to sort of like diversify your diet without making it like a complicated hellscape of different types of (laughs) rice. But in any case, let's move on to our next question. And I don't know who this question came from, but that's okay. But this person asked like something similar to the above, but how do you do the sustainable diversity thing all the time while on the go without the, without some, cooking tools that might be useful for this. So basically I think to summarize this person's question, like what are some ways where if you're trying to get like a diverse diet, but you don't have maybe the most robust cooking setup, like what are some tips mm-hmm. that you might have Caitlin for someone in this situation? Yeah. So this, this sounds actually... like someone in a van. That's just not saying they're in a van. <laughs> but like, How know. do I do this in a fancy way slash van life? Uh, well, it's funny. I'm pretty sure this is from the same person. So oh, okay. Same... Got it. Same question. All right. um, and Sorry, I know Matt. This... We're making in- inferences about your life. But... <laughs> We're making inappropriate assumptions. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, I actually know this person and I know that they're always on the go with their job. So I think having a lack of options. So if, if they're either camping sometimes or sometimes they're in a hotel, it's like it's hard to figure out, you know, how to make good you know, plant-based meals on the go, I think it can pose its own challenges too. So what I like to do is suss out products in grocery stores. So by that, I just mean look in the aisles and I know they say like only shop on the outer perimeter. It's like so – it's such a diet culture behavior. Anyway, I digress. But it is really important to look through the aisles. Look at these quick – 
prep options, like easy to prep ingredients, like heat and go rice or like pre-made noodles that you just heat up. So I really like- Pre-chopped zoodles. I'm always like looking at the pre-chopped vegetables and like, ooh, I could save three minutes. And Mike is like, I love chopping vegetables. We're not doing that. And I'm like, ooh, (laughs) but but we're camping and that shit is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even like (laughs) dried fruits and vegetables that are dry- Dehydrated, dehydrated, you know. Dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's really important, I think, to have those quick options that you can just throw in a pan or a pot and just go. So, like, I like seeds of change. Uh, that's like a little rice and quinoa mixture. There are those Indian ones too that you can grab and go and uh, pre-made. I, like a just a PSA here: pre-made or packaged items do stay fresher longer, and it's totally okay to include these foods. So this could even be said about beans, canned vegetables, jarred vegetables. Make canned sure you got- suck, though. That is not- that Big is facts, fact. but uh, you don't have good. to get canned peas. You can get canned other stuff. Uh, and we'll also- Frozen peas and use them immediately. Yeah, but, you know, if you're on the road. Yeah. It, unless Sorry, you're icing I, I just, your Mike brain. just put – Mike, we had some really good gnocchi, and then Mike was like, they didn't have frozen peas, so I put canned peas in it. And oh, I was no. like, no, no. We were having tasty pasta, and now there's canned peas in it. But Mike really likes peas, and I was like, this is offensive. Anyways, this is not about me. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think – Having those options available is super important. Make sure you do bring a can opener. I've been in a situation oh my God. that's been like really not a good look with uh, <laughs> trying to cut it open with just a knife. Not don't not good. You don't oh want to go God. to the emergency room while you're Over in the middle a fucking two dollar can of beans or probably a fifty cent can of beans. Oh yeah. So no, but be careful. You know, <laughs> but Some, it, it, like, it does. <laughs> railroad tracks under a bridge shit just oh like my stabbing god. Uh, oh my god uh, but definitely I do think that there are a lot of options out there especially now there are so many great like pre-made things that you can grab and go and a lot of you know even like snacks it doesn't like I, I always say to my athletes I work with one-on-one if you're if you don't have time or it's not an opt an optimum time to actually slow down and have a meal. You may also opt for snacks too. Like there's nothing really wrong with that. You can still cover your bases even in snack form. So you could think of that as your outside charcuterie board <laughs> with lots of random shit on it, but it still counts. It's like a board with like vegan jerky, some like chickpeas rolling around and like some baby food packets. Some hummus, baby food packets squirted on there. You dunk your crackers in. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, that uh, would be, someone please, if anyone makes that, please send us a picture. We will, we will laugh. Well, speaking we will of snacks, you. we will highlight you. You will be celebrated among the annals of the internet. Um, okay, let's talk about, speaking of snacks, the next question that we have on the question Rasta, um, this is from an anonymous person, but I think a lot of you have this question. So what are some of the, quote, best vegan crag snacks or food to fuel your day? And this person asks for especially savory foods. So yeah, Caitlin, if you want to dig in here, I think people always love snack ideas. So yeah, I mean, I was actually glad that this person asked about savory foods because I think my knee jerk reaction is usually to be like gummies and candy and sweet. (laughs) 
Sorry, right. there begin. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I do think it's helpful to have the savory items because I think, right, like a lot of us probably know some good sweet options, uh, but you could do things like rice cakes. I know that there are some options out there that are more of the savory flavors. Like I've seen some really good miso flavored mm. rice cakes that are so good. And you got your hummus and crackers or pita. You can do veggie wraps with tempeh. You could do savory bowls. I mean, I know this comes down to also getting the correct type of a container to bring out into the crack or out into the field or to the crag with you. Um, I was just thinking about <laughs> people who might work outside. Anyway, not the question. Uh, but if you get things that definitely do seal, uh, make sure too that you have just like a bag around it because you don't want your shoes smelling like miso soup. I just don't think that's no, gonna. Don't get olive oil on your climbing shoes. That is not oh. good for friction. Don't. No. Do it. <laughs> uh, but also, you got roasted chickpeas. Maybe you could do plantain chips. I know Trader Joe's has this really good Jamaican spiced, uh, or I can't even remember what it is now, but it's super savory, salty, and got some nice jerky flavors you could do vegan jerky but again same thing with the last uh one of the last things i mentioned head to your grocery store and just give yourself 10 20 minutes to walk down the aisles and get new ideas just because you've always had one type of cracker doesn't mean that you won't like something else i would encourage you to just explore the aisles and see what sounds good what could be added to your you know your weekly <laughs> Crag snack repertoire. Uh, mine are always changing just by nature of Trader Joe's taking away the things I love, but that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> they got rid of the mochis I liked, and I'm still still no. bitter. Wait, also, Caitlin, <laughs> you talking about just like walk down the aisles and observe the snacks and like really take it all in. I've been on enough trips to Whole Foods with Caitlin to tell you that this is how she operates, and it's not just <laughs> one trip down the aisle. It'll be like. Two, like we'll make laps until Caitlin finds the exact snack. I have many is... weddings at Whole Foods, walking down the aisle for days. <laughs> it's, I've seen it. I've been a part of it. It's hysterical. And now I'm like, oh this, God, I'm like, I what forgot. is, I'm like, how do you do this? Like, what are you doing? And now I'm like, oh, what an interesting, fascinating way to operate. So I like it. I like your style. It's good. I try to figure mindful. out my mood. I, I really try to be like, okay, what's the vibe today, Caitlin? What do we want today? And usually that just means that I walk aimlessly until I'm like, nope, you know what? Cheese was the answer first yeah. and foremost. So yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen the snack swap out where it's like, I thought I wanted this, but actually I want chocolate. I'm like, okay, it's good. It's, it's a beautiful or it needs to give to me like a 45 minute just opportunity to like fully brain dump at Whole Foods before yeah, we record episodes. I love it. Now I know and I'm good. Like I get, I get the process now. <laughs> That's my process. So, so you can do this too. <laughs> yeah, you can do it too. Just, you know, make it, make it a fun situation. Cool. Should we move on to our, our protein questions now? Yeah, I'm, I think protein is going to be a big one. So let's oh, yeah. I mean, who who here, like I'm sure if any of you out there are plant-based or vegetarian athletes, I'm sure you've had enough of people being like, but how are you going to get your protein? And I'm like, that's, you're probably <laughs> exactly in that fucking way. sick of hearing that. Yeah, just like that. Phone's probably sick. Yeah, like a melting princess penguin. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, mm. anyways, let's get back to the questions. So- 
Isabella asks, is the quote complete protein thing real or if I just eat a varied diet, will I get everything I need? So yeah, I I think a lot of people are very curious about the complete protein concept. So yeah, (laughs) I will say the complete protein thing is definitely real. There is so much evidence to support that if you're eating a plant-based diet, you really need to get what is called a complete protein and it is super important to to get or to be mindful of it basically. I do like what this person said too just about eating a varied diet. Will you get all the things? I mean, yes, but when you're eating a plant-based diet, I do think there needs to be more of a concerted effort with just getting enough of the right thing. So if you're listening, I mean, certainly if you hopefully listen to part one, we did, right, we did talk about complete proteins a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But just as a reminder, a complete protein is a protein that includes all nine of the essential amino acids that we have to consume from foods and our body doesn't produce on its own. So Meat is a good example of a complete protein. A lot, well, yeah, plant-based products, there is not a single plant-based item that contains all essential amino acids. Their soy gets close, but it's not quite there. Uh, Spirulina, Mm. oddly enough, is another one uh, that's close. But again, it's, it's not high enough in like one or two of the amino acids that you need. So you have to combine it with other foods to make it complete, make it a complementary protein. So it is truly important to that point to get a complete protein. And I think there are some other questions too that that I think we could dig into this a bit more. Okay. Let me ask you this because I think like when I think about protein as an athlete, my head kind of goes to I want to make sure that I get enough protein like immediately after session so that I can start recovering. Mm -hmm. I generally want to have enough protein in my diet for, you know, all of the reasons that we need protein. So when it comes to perhaps you like get done with the session and then you just have, I don't know, you're like, I'm going to get 20 grams of protein from edamame today, which I think would probably be an obscene amount of edamame, but (laughs) if you're not familiar. Maybe like a cup or more. Okay, maybe it's not that crazy. I mean, but I like, it's a very interactive food. Healthy and yummy. (laughs) Yeah. So like what would perhaps be the detriment to not, you know, combining my cup of edamame with whatever else was missing from that protein to make it complete? Yeah, so I think there was a lot of fear in the fact that if you didn't combine those foods at mealtime, like say you had your cup of edamame later in the day, but you had like a bowl of oatmeal in the morning, there Mm -hmm. were a lot of arguments like back when I was, you know, a vegan eater. No, I didn't eat vegans, but I (laughs) – God. (laughs) Wow. When I ate a plant-based diet, there we go. Uh, <laughs> it's like something no one was thinking. You're like, uh, just to clarify. It's like, oh my God. Just in case anybody else heard it. Uh, but back in the day when I was doing research on it, it, there was a lot of opposition in the research that talked about, well, you know, if you don't eat those complementary foods in the same meal or the same sitting, are you absorbing the protein in the way that you need to. And some people said, no, you don't need to eat them in the same meal, but you do need to eat them throughout the day, at least, you know, to get that varied consumption throughout the day. But then of course you have that other camp that's like, well, eating them together is going to be 
a better strategy because you're going to be getting those the correct dose and the quality proteins in one sitting. So ideally, that would help with digestion absorption of those proteins. So I take kind of the, I guess, the latter position because it could be really easy to forget to eat those other foods later in the day. Mm -hmm. So it may not be about necessarily the absorption as much as just needing to remember to eat those things in combination. So you are getting quality protein and in the right quantity to make sure that you're getting enough to support your needs as a plant-based athlete. So that's, that's kind of how I operate. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So it's kind of like, you know, tech, it's kind of like doing them both together is generally better, but also mm-hmm. in some ways it might be potentially a nice to have depending on the debate and the research. But at the same time, you find that if you're giving like an athlete a heuristic for actually mm-hmm. getting diversity in their proteins, saying like, hey, eat two different types of protein sources together at a meal. And ideally that'll help you like actually hit the whole covering all of your amino acid bases. Is that kind of like the practical approach yeah. like, from a nutrition perspective that you're getting? You're yep, giving? Exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. I think it's just, it's good to combine and get at least a variety of things. Wall dogs. <laughs> so, I know. My dog, I can hear my idiot dog. Um, <laughs> Cute idiot. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think getting Getting the different sources of protein in that one sitting, not only is it easier, but it is, I think, like maybe we can dig into what actually creates a complete protein. I think there's a lot of people who just don't know what that actually is. So maybe mm. it's helpful to talk about that, shed light yeah. on it too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's see. I think this will answer a lot of the next questions too, but mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and ask. I'm going to ask Andy's question because I feel like you're this kind of falls in line. So Andy asks, is it necessary to get a variety of different sources of proteins, best types of plant protein? So yeah, with that, like, what would you, what would you say? Like, what's the purpose behind complete proteins? And then, yeah, what are your tips for that? I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, so getting complete proteins again, you can't get, if you don't eat them in your foods, you won't you won't get them. Your body doesn't produce them like some of the other amino acids. So we really do need to get a variety of plant sources to actually get enough of the quality and quantity that we need for these proteins. So for example, you can certainly eat a fuck ton of cauliflower and get enough, quote, enough proteins in grams. So like you could eat so much cauliflower that you're getting over – Let's give a crazy number. Let's like say you get 70 grams of protein from cauliflower. It still doesn't mean that you're getting a quality source of protein because you're missing essential amino acids that cauliflower just does not provide. So Got by combining it. it, that's a really important strategy. So I really like to give like a kind of a a line a guideline so to speak of combining a grain plus a legume or a legume plus a nut and a seed. So okay. those are your might, favorite like celebrity couples of s- total celebrity couples. <laughs> they are some, yeah, they, they go together like PB and J literally. So uh, you could do something like, I'll give that example, a peanut butter sandwich. You got your grain, which is the bread and you got your legume, which is a peanut. 
fun fact, peanuts are not nuts. They are legumes. So oh, there you yeah. go. There You're welcome. You there you have it. Put jelly on that uh, sandwich. Otherwise, that sounds scary and it's going to get stuck to the roof of your mouth and it's going to be horrifying. <laughs> I think people yeah. that only eat peanut butter sandwiches are – they scare me. They are an interesting breed for they sure. They have a lot yeah. of spit is my hypothesis. I'm like, how Ooh. is that shit not getting stuck to your mouth? Yeah, Anyways, that's like the saltine debate. Anyway. So- <laughs> Josh says he resents that. I'm like, are you a psychopath? <laughs> Is that – you've we just been some under my thing. nose for the years we've been friends and I didn't know you did that. I've been on ski trips with you. You put jelly. I know. Anyways. <laughs> He's conforming. Uh, <laughs> He's so conforming. Nobody judges him. <laughs> well, anyway, you could also do uh, rice with black beans or any type of beans. And then on the other side of things with legumes and nuts or seeds, you could do – Again, if you do something like trail mix, you could do peanuts with another nut or seed. Like maybe you do peanuts with some walnuts. Maybe you do some black beans in a salad with some pepitas and, you know, like giving you some variety just at each meal. There are a lot of, you know, people are going to argue, I'm sure, but there certainly is protein in fruits and vegetables beyond just these combinations. But again, you need that quality protein and you need quantity. So for example, one of the best, highest quality uh, proteins out there is actually an egg because it contains all of the essential amino acids in proper doses and it's highly digestible. So, you know, I know that's not vegan per se, but if you do eat a vegetarian diet, you can certainly get that. And soy is a really fantastic source of protein for people, uh, but you probably should still combine it with a grain as well or a nut and seed. Got it. Cool. Okay. I'm going to move on. Thank you for that. That was very helpful. I think understanding like what the combos should be is seems like an important sort of yeah, important piece <laughs> on, your, on your noggin. Okay. So <laughs> Ducky asks, is it possible to meet protein goals as a plant-based athlete? Sort of the million-dollar question here. So what do you have yeah. to say about that, Caitlin? So first of all, yes, absolutely. You can meet your protein needs as a plant-based athlete. I listened to another podcast once. I won't, I won't talk about specifics, but essentially it was said on there that you – can't really be a plant-based athlete and get stronger and perform. And I was like, "Mm, that's not correct. False. Clearly they didn't listen to our episode in the future to know. (laughs) How dare they? I know. Time travel to get things right. (laughs) But anyways. (laughs) It is certainly possible. But I will say the caveat here is that you just need to take in more protein possibly to meet your needs. So there's some evidence out there that suggests that you may need to increase your protein by even 20%. And I there's actually a study that we didn't cover in the part one, but this is actually a review, so take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> it did talk about the lower anabolic effect of plant-based protein, so less muscle building effect. Mm. And basically that just means that we need to improve both the quality and quantity of plant-based proteins and we need to improve amino acid consumption at each meal to make sure that we compensate for that. So that's where that 20% comes in, like maybe increasing protein by that amount just to make sure you're getting the correct dose, if you will, of those amino acids every single day. So it gets a bit tricky, I know, depends on the person's diet, but make sure you are emphasizing plant-based proteins at mealtimes as often as you can. 
Sweet. Can I make a quick snarky comment? Absolutely. Let's hear okay. it. Okay. <laughs> because I know we've been talking about certain articles making bold claims that plant-based athletes are like always leaner than omnivorous athletes. Um, yeah. But also I think that's like a pretty interesting claim considering there's actual research showing that like absorptivity of protein for building lean body mass is potentially more challenging with sources of plant-based protein weird just saying i don't know anyways that's not that's just me being an asshole everyone but i do think that is an interesting point to bring up and also this is not to say that you can't like build muscle and absorb plant-based protein but i think it's important certainly can to know what caitlin's saying that like there is some research to suggest that you might need a little bit more to get the same like muscle building and repair effects that you might want if you're an athlete so totally yeah yeah it's it is possible just you gotta, I think, do the the legwork to lay the foundation. Make sure you're aware. You know, if you just wake up today and you're like, "I'm gonna be a vegan," make sure you go into it with just some base level of awareness to know the foods that you need to eat, and really make sure that you're emphasizing that protein because it is important. You want Ooh, that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, this next question I also feel like is a pretty common question that I hear athletes asking a lot. So, and it kind of seems like it can be a crux of eating as a plant-based athlete as well. So this person mm-hmm. asked, how do I get enough protein without overdoing carbs? My body doesn't seem to like all the beans. Yeah, this is a, a really common thing I hear. It's like people really want to either, they want to try a plant-based diet or they want to incorporate more plant-based meals into their week, even if they're, you know, not someone who exclusively eats plant-based. But a large part of plant-based protein does come from beans. So it is, I think, important to include them. So a couple of strategies I have, you could try soaking the, the beans and also grains too, if those are an issue for you. Soak them for at least four hours before cooking. Make sure you rinse them too before so, but that seems to be helpful uh just to make sure that you know you're you're helping to make them more digestible Mm -hmm. so to speak uh you might also try things like uh super firm tofu because there's more protein in it than silken so technically you could Mm. eat a little bit less if you wanted to Um, but also combining foods like tofu if that's something that makes you extra farty have it with other (laughs) foods to just (laughs) kind of minimize the effect but we talked about that already already make your complete protein the other thing I find that helps plant-based athletes a lot is tempeh which is just fermented soybeans usually there's another grain in there too so some people can actually digest this better just because of the probiotic content. You might also try protein powders, which are also formulated to be complete. And finally, just diversifying your beans and legumes because this can also help you identify like, okay, maybe black beans aren't aren't the vibe for you, but maybe soy works or maybe lentils are your favorite, but mung beans don't work for you. So you can kind of figure out which are the beans that are the heavy hitters, soak them if that's going to help you break them down, but also uh, make them a bit more digestible. So there are options out there. Sweet. That was really helpful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Speaking of protein powders, this brings us to our last sort of protein related question. So this athlete asks, are protein powder supplements potentially unhealthy? Ooh, this is a good question. So (laughs) I'll, I'll make a 
a couple couple statements. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Big question. Protein powders, yeah, protein powders are super awesome because they're very convenient and they're a great way for all athletes, not just plant-based athletes, to get that additional edge that they might be missing in their diet or for simplicity too. But they shouldn't replace real food at every meal or all your daily protein. So if you're only getting your protein from these protein shakes, probably should take a look at your diet but um, and make sure that you are getting those sources. But ultimately, it is a really good option to supplement. That's what it's called. It is a supplement. It supplements your normal diet, and it's a great way to support adequate protein intake. And the other thing I'll make note of here too is make sure you are buying from reputable sources that do have third-party testing, things like NSF certification, just to make sure that there aren't additional ingredients in there that we don't know about. So definitely, definitely I think protein is not unhealthy. I actually think it can be a really important part of a, an athlete's diet, especially a plant-based athlete's diet. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll just get, take a second here to shout out our sponsor, Gnarly (laughs) Nutrition. I drink their vegan protein powder all the time because when kind of hurts my stomach and it's good and it has lots of protein and it's great so shout out gnarly thank you for supporting our podcast and yeah i think that's the big thing like look at also i've heard to like look at the ingredient list on the back because i've heard to be very suspicious of proprietary blend um versus like actual like labeled out ingredients so not that a proprietary blend couldn't be you know also useful but mm, i've personally noticed in like the higher quality sources of protein powders that that proprietary blend situation is either non-existent or like very low on the ingredient list. It's just a way for them to make more money and make their product seem like it's novel and unique. But usually that means they add unnecessary things to the product. Um, Not necessarily harmful, but just not needed in order to get what you need. And so it jacks up the price. So that's all. Yeah. Don't, don't want that. So cool. Well, that was, that was the hefty amount of questions. Thank you all so much for submitting all those. Caitlin, should we take a quick little break? Yeah, let's take a baby break. Caitlin, I want to talk about protein shakes. Well, what do you want to talk about? Well, I, I really like how I can just spend two seconds and expend no mental energy and get a full serving of protein after a training session because of protein shakes. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet, magical little drink. Which protein shake are you using these days? Okay, so I found that whey sort of messes with my stomach and I've actually been pretty into the gnarly vegan protein shake. And as as my nutritionist, what are how do you feel about that one? I'm actually obsessed with their vegan protein. It's my favorite one out there in terms of taste and texture. Both flavors, chocolate and vanilla, are so tasty. And it's got everything you need in terms of complete proteins. So one less thing to have to worry about. Pretty great. Heck yeah, I love that. I'm very glad to know the full extent of its radness. Gnarly Nutrition is actually a proud sponsor of the Average Climber podcast. And if you want to get your hands on their vegan protein powder, you can head on over to gonarly.com. All right, and we're back with the 
soy section of this here episode, <laughs> which we've talked a little bit about soy already, but people have a lot of questions about soy. So I'm going to start do. with Megan's question. And she asks, please talk about endocrine disrupting protein sources. This is my least favorite part of not eating meat. First of all, before we even get into this question, can you explain what endocrine disruption is, Caitlin? Because I feel like it's like a buzzword <laughs> that I people hear a lot, but I yeah. think clarifying what that means is big. Basically, what we're talking about with endocrine disruptors is something that jacks up your hormones. So mm. when I think when we talk about plant-based diets and we're talking about an endocrine disruptor, people are primarily thinking about soy, but that's we're going to talk about that and why that is not the correct assumption. But something you may actually think of it more as is like BPA in your plant, your not plants, water sorry, bottle. in your water <laughs> bottles, in your receipts, in your jarred and canned products, in the lining of those products, in certain plastics. So I think it's really important to make the distinction here that uh, while we're, we're probably talking mostly about soy right now, and I do not think that that is an appropriate thing to classify as an endocrine disruptor. So should, we should dig into that. Sweet. Okay. So basically like net net endocrine disruptors, kind of like a scary sounding thing, but it's essentially yeah. something perhaps artificial that could disrupt the way your hormones function. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It could be a chemical, could be just how something is produced, but I don't think that it's fair to label soy, soy as that. Yeah. Okay. I actually, I would say like chemicals are probably going to be more harmful or absolutely more harmful as an endocrine disruptor than uh, soy would be actually. So okay. I would say they're not one in the same. Got it. Right on. Cool. Okay. I think that's like a good clarification because I know there's like tons of fear mongering around soy oh, yeah. so I think it's good too <laughs> good to start there so yeah okay so what would you say to that in terms of yeah maybe just dig into this whole discussion yeah. like why would you not classify it as an endocrine disruptor and like what should we right. be concerned about with soy and what is like kind of overstated or overemphasized mm -hmm. well so I think we should think about sort of like that classic phrasing of the dose makes the poison so yep. think about too much water, water in excess can be extremely harmful. You so, could be in a flood or yeah. a tsunami. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different story. <laughs> Environmental circumstance, not just in your cells exploding. So anyhow. <laughs> uh, but I would say it's not really a concern to eat a lot of soy unless you're drinking like gallons of soy milk a day. And I really don't know anybody who would be doing that. I don't even know people who do that. Well, I'm sure there are people who do that for milk and things like that. But ultimately, most people aren't going to be doing that. And again, it's not necessarily soy as, you know, what it actually is, but it's just the fact that you're consuming so much of one thing. So, I think what it's important to talk about soy because it is a phytoestrogen, but that is not the issue. That just means that you have a plant-based food, phyto, it's just the conjunctive there. And then estrogen, of course, is, is a hormone. So it's not to say that it exactly mimics the hormone estrogen. Like when we say phytoestrogen, we're not here going like, yeah, you're getting a 
big old dose of estrogen in your body and you're going to start experiencing lots of hormone chaos. That's not the case because phytoestrogens are either very, very weak in terms Mm. of their estrogenic effect or they can actually be potentially anti-estrogenic. So where this, I guess, let me just throw some biochem at you, Lauren. Oh, I love it. Throw it. Um, Ready. I got so my there are, suit on for that. So Lauren sat up straight and she's like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but so there are, there's evidence in some recent studies to suggest that soy is actually protective. I think when we talk about soy, we get nervous that it's either going to cause hormone imbalances, or it could create a potential pathway to cancer. But it is protective in regards to things like breast cancer and prevention and recurrence. And instead of increasing our estrogen in our body, what we call endogenous estrogen, so our natural estrogen within our bodies, so rather Mm. than increase that, phytoestrogens are really cool, so specifically in soy, they actually bind to estrogen receptors, which reduces the amount of estrogen uptake in the body. So mm. that's like actually kind of really freaking sweet. That is cool. sweet. Okay. So basically if I have some like, I don't know if this is even a thing I should worry about. Cause anytime anyone's like, don't use fragrance products, it'll give you cancer. I'm like, la la la, it smells good. Um, and then I just kind of <laughs> move on. But basically like if you're having like soy, it'll uptake, it'll like, tell your body, hey, we're actually receiving enough estrogen and then your body won't uptake estrogen that maybe is more disruptive from your environment or whatever. And is that kind of like the protective effect that you're talking about? Yeah, it can potentially. Or am I getting that wrong? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think like that's, I would say that's loosely like what you could envision because when you have like, if, if you have a phytoestrogen that's binding to an estrogen receptor, it basically is blocking any of that excess taking up of it and it doesn't necessarily tell your body like hey we got enough it just essentially if you are someone who has hormonal imbalances from for a number of reasons then this could actually be helpful and prevent that excess uptake of like actual endogenous estrogen so Things like, uh, you know, we talk about like antioxidants. So you have isoflavones. Those are in soy. And you also have your fiber. You got your protein. And that's really what makes soy kind of like, ugh, I feel weird about the word superfood. I was surprised but, that you have the word superfood in this I know. Um, but, outline. But do go <laughs> soy on. I'm extra compelled because. Pretty you know. super. Just because it has so many other benefits. And There's actually some cool evidence, too, to just get a little bit further, but soy isoflavones, those that antioxidant component, have actually been shown to inhibit what's called nuclear factor kappa beta, or NFKB. Oh, it's my favorite sorority. Oh, my God. Uh, Inhibit sororities. uh, (laughs) And this has an anti-tumor and also health-promoting effect. So really, in essence, soy is really beneficial. I think more people should eat eat more of it. I think when we get into the nitty-gritty of it, you know, we we aren't really digging into GMO-based soy here versus organic soy, but I do think that having soy in the diet just as a a nutrient, a food source can have a lot of health benefits and is also just 
kind of amazing, very versatile, super convenient. So I love it. You briefly mentioned like GMOs and all these things. Mm -hmm. um, And we're not going to get into it today. But like, we all know Monsanto's the devil. All right. Like, look, look, look it up. Read the room. (laughs) But also, are there any are there any tips that you have for if you're gonna consume soy, like things that you look for to be like, this is a higher quality soy source than maybe something else? Or yeah, any, like, red I, flags in your soy search, if you will. So I am definitely in the camp of choosing organic soy products just because I don't feel that we have enough information about what uh, Monsanto's evil <laughs> agenda is doing to us. And I also think that, you know, it, there is a lot to be said about the endocrine disruption of these chemicals that some of our, our products are grown with. And, it's and that's just, more like pesticides and yes. like things like that would not be incorporated herbicides. in the organ- herbicides, right? Like it's not the yeah. soy, it's the fact that the process yeah. incorporates a lot of like genuinely perhaps harmful chemicals. So just right. to clarify. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for that point. And I do think it's like the precautionary principle, right? Like if it's important to you and you feel that you'd like to take the precaution, it's absolutely up to you. And definitely eating soy, I I really do think it could be a healthful part of the diet. And like, I know you briefly just said the word processing, Lauren, and I wanted to touch on that because I remember people being like, soy is so processed. And I'm like, everything is processed. Literally. A plant growing is kind of a process (laughs) in and of itself. Exactly. Like (laughs) I've made tofu from scratch and just because I processed it, doesn't mean that it is processed in the same way as like a lab created Cheeto. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm. it is very Cheetos. different. <laughs> Idea <laughs> for later. Uh, <laughs> but I really do, I, I can't stress this enough. I do think that it is, it is really important. And I think the evidence to support that it is a healthful option is growing in the body of evidence. I think there's still a lot of research out there that's still like, eh, I don't know, maybe avoid it for now. But I do think that it it it's not what we think of. Like if you think of an endocrine disruptor, I would probably err on the side of caution to call soy that. Okay, got it. Um, let's see. Um, Caitlin, are there any... Hmm. Okay, just to like quickly clarify this, what would you classify like as an endocrine disruptor? Okay, actually, no, you already gave an example. Like BPA is like a mm-hmm. chemical that might be found in your water bottle. Like that's an endocrine disruptor. Any other like common examples, things like you should be looking out for if you are worried about endocrine disruption? I would just say look at what your foods are packaged in. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head which plastic uh, recycle on the bottom is contributed to that, but perhaps we can add a link to that in our show notes. There's some good resources out there. Also, heavy metals, certainly in things like fish, that's kind of a big concern, environmental contaminants. So, you know, use, (sighs) it doesn't mean you have to have fear of foods. It just means diversify your sources of foods. Uh, You know, if Buying organic is something that is not accessible to you, either location-wise, financial-wise, whatever budget. It You do not have to consume organic foods to be healthful or certainly to be a vegan or vegetarian, but there are some things just to be cautious of. You know, get a variety, eat 
eat your fruits and veggies. I mean, those are going to help offset any of those that are in our, in our environment. There's a lot of stuff that can be a contributor to this. And it doesn't mean that if you touch a receipt with BPA in it, you're automatically, you know, disrupted endocrinely. Oh it my just God. I didn't even realize it was in freaking receipts, but it's also like email everywhere. me that shit. That's interesting, <laughs> except for not really because yeah. I have my little receipt baggie for business things because right. faster accountants yeah. don't listen to this. Uh, yes. Uh, All right. I wouldn't worry too much, but yeah, there's there's a lot to be said there and it's just, you know, choosing the things that you can that, that do prevent, uh, you know, <laughs> basically just – do what you can. That's that's my yes. always, <laughs> last always. word of advice. <laughs> awesome. Okay, sweet. Well, I'll finish it out with our last question from Shilpa, who is one of my athletes. So Shilpa asks, um, we kind of covered this earlier, but I think it's good to kind of like round it out and spell it out. So she asks, are soy-based things, complete proteins, also beyond meat in parentheses, or do I need to eat these in combination with something else? Yeah, we definitely – I think this is a good one to round out the protein conversation about too because, yeah, soy-based products, almost complete. They're almost there, not quite. I would still combine them. But uh, essentially with Beyond Meat and Impossible – yeah, Impossible Burgers, whatever. the Yeah. Beyond, Impossible, all these flighty words. Um, <laughs> but they have been formulated to be complete and then also kind of in the same vein – uh, protein powders are also the same. They're also complete as well. So it's, nice. it's kind of a weird world out there. You know, I think your best course of action is, again, all the way back to our beginning question with diversifying foods. Just make sure you have lots of options and you regularly change it up. You get enough food during your day. You combine your proteins. And also the last thing I'll leave you with here too is that if you – are deciding to either try more plant-based foods or you're trying to, you know, change your diet and lifestyle to be more plant-based, make sure that the foods you eliminate, say for example, you eliminate dairy products, you should probably find a replacement for those products because then there will be a huge gap in your diet. And we want to make sure that you're getting enough incoming calories and just enough foods to support your needs as an athlete as well. Super great way to wrap that up. I think I will leave you with my last words, which are that <laughs> fried chicken is a complete protein. <laughs> Anecdotally, and if you want to not be plant-based at all, and there you unhealthfully go. Unhelpfully <laughs> and anecdotally, and I just wanted to be the, that guy, and it's okay, my well, podcast, so I can. Let me fried add chicken. one other thing. No, fuck. Okay, go on. <laughs> breaded and fried tofu is also a complete protein there you have it all right all right i'll it's the plant-based episode i'll let you have the last word on that one excellent cool well let's let's tell people okay let's tell them what we got going on and then let's tell them where where they can find us so okay what we got going on Average climber intensive. You heard a little. You brief heard the ad. About it. You heard the ad. We had fun. You heard our fun music with it. Um, but that's <laughs> happening. We're super excited. It's going to be going on October first and second in the morning ish time. But we're psyched. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a great couple of days where you're gonna get to hang out with us and learn a ton about climbing training and nutrition. And I think. There are a ton of you athletes out there that are super motivated to get better and train and really interested in learning out about this stuff. I mean, you wouldn't be on episode 
16 if you didn't care about learning these things. So if you've been here and enjoying learning from us, it's going to be way more in depth, way more personalized to you. And you're going to get a ton of feedback from us as well. So get psyched on that. Spots are super limited and you can find the information about that in our show notes. Anything to add about the average climber intensive, Caitlin, or think I covered it? No, just mega hype. Yeah. If if that's something that, you know, maybe you're a DIY person and and you want to bump it up a bit. I mean, this is for you. We got you so you can be above average. You're welcome. Yeah. You're going to be above average smart after you leave this. And yeah, I'm so, I'm super psyched to put this together. We had so much fun doing our first in-person clinic in Lander that we were like, shit, we need to make this available to everyone in some format. So that's what we're doing with our intensive. And I'm so, so, so pumped to put it on. Cool. Okay. I think we can probably wrap it up there. Again, I'm Lauren Abernathy. I am the head coach at Good Spray Climbing. You can find me at goodsprayclimbing.com or on Instagram at goodspraycoaching. Caitlin, where can the people find you? Yeah, I'm, I am findable on Instagram at <laughs> findable and searchable <laughs> uh, on Instagram at dirtbag nutritionist. And you can also find me on my website, uh, which is newly redone dirtbag nutrition.com. So, so excited, but yeah, uh, find us on there. If you are looking for training or nutrition respectively, and we, we got you covered. We're here. We are here. We got you covered. And until next time, keep it average. Lauren here. We hope you enjoyed part two of our plant-based athlete series, and we hope you got a lot of your big questions answered. I'll close us out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. Want even more info for living your best plant-based life? Check out the Climber's Nutrition Guide to Plant-Based Fueling. In this ebook, you'll learn about the macronutrients and dietary needs of plant-based athletes, complete proteins, potential nutrient deficiencies, and more. Tap the link in our show notes to get this jam-packed resource. And if you want to learn more about what you could be doing better with your climbing training and have some fun while you learn, there's a quiz for that. If you want to find out your climbing theme song and learn how to improve your approach to training, you can take the quiz right now by heading over to the link in our show notes. And don't forget, you can book a free 15-minute clarity call with Caitlin by tapping the link in our show notes. If you wanted to make changes to your nutrition habits but don't know where to start, book a call with her to see what's possible. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find Caitlin on Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and me on my Instagram over at Good Spray Coaching. This show is produced by Josh Hafley with our favorite furry production assistant, Stubby the Corgi. The music for this episode was created by Devin Dabney of The American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you haven't already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com or find at PlugtoneAudio on Instagram to learn more about the other great shows on the network. See you next time, and until then, keep it average.